On this week's edition of the Pig Pen Podcast, we dive deep into this idea of the Redskins trading out of the number two spot. What would it look like? What are the scenarios and who are possible dance partners in this trade? Those are the questions that I have the answers for. We'll break all that and more down next. What's good? This is the Pigpen Podcast. I'm your host, Denton Day, at Denton underscore Day on the Twitter. We got a lot of things to talk about here on this week's show. Uh, we got a little bit of draft stuff to get into. Well, a lot of bit of draft stuff to get into. Plus, as a time of recording, it is Sean Taylor's birthday, so I'm going to close out this episode of the podcast with two very quick Sean Taylor stories. I feel like it is it's my duty, and it's our duty as Redskins fans to remember him uh, specifically on, on this day as we celebrate his life. So we'll close the podcast out uh, with that. But like I said, at Denton underscore day on Twitter, we're going to jump right into this NFL draft talk. I kind of teased this on last week's episode. Um, we had another report from Jason LaConforna late last week that the Redskins were reportedly open to trading back, which is not something that's new. We've heard all of these reports. It seems like we've heard this all offseason, really. I mean, we've been hearing the Redskins are looking at trading back for what feels like weeks and weeks and weeks. So Lock and Forner reporting this isn't exactly new, but it does bring up the question as we get closer to the draft, what would it actually look like if we do end up trading back? Because there is so many different things that go into the process of actually moving out of number two if we decide to go that route. Now, I will preface this whole conversation uh, by saying this, I don't think we should trade back. I am a big fan of Chase Young. I want Chase Young. So I'm prefacing this whole entire conversation stating that first because I am very much on Team Chase Young. I do believe that if Chase Young joins the defensive line group that we have uh, and everybody stays healthy, there's a good chance that at least two guys could be over 10 sacks just on that defensive line, maybe with another guy flirting in that 7-8-9 range. I do truly believe that. So I'm a big fan of Chase Young. But with that being said, we need things to talk about. And I could just close it there, say, hey, we should draft Chase Young at number two. But that's not really what this is for. That's not what you came here for. You came here to figure out what it would actually look like if we were to trade back. So uh, the important thing to remember in any sort of trade situation, and this isn't exactly breaking news here, I get that, but it's important to remember it does take two to tango. You need a dance partner. I mean, hey, you could have two dance partners, really, if you want to get really freaky with this, but it takes two to tango. You have to have somebody that is going to be willing to give up a good amount to get that number two overall pick, and that has to be important. That good amount has to be important. If we are giving up the number two overall pick, it has to be a haul. We are not fire sailing away Chase Young here because we are passing up on a guy that I do think, and many people will agree with this, on a guy that could be one of the best in the game, a guy that has the real potential to be an elite pass rusher in Chase Young. Now, I understand the idea of passing up on him so we can get other good quality dudes and fill certain holes, but we have to get a good haul if we want to pass up on Chase Young. Think back to what we gave up, this franchise. I mean, we have a 
We are the franchise to ask when it comes to giving up things to get number two overall. Think of what we gave up for Robert Griffin. We swapped a first and then we gave another two first round picks and a second round pick. Think about what Philadelphia gave up to get Carson Wentz. They swapped a first. They gave another first and a second the next year and a third and a fourth uh, that draft year to acquire Carson Wentz. And those are two guys, Carson Wentz and RG3, that are good quarterbacks that went at number two. And odds are, if you're trading up to number two, Miami, Los Angeles, maybe Las Vegas, you're going to get Tua. So Tua falls right into that category that RG3 did and that Carson Wentz did, and that it's a quarterback that teams are making a move to trade up for. So the haul, maybe not identical to what it was for Robert Griffin or for Carson Wentz, but it has to be in that ballpark range, right? You have to be getting a ton of assets in return if you are going to give up that pick. And I think that's incredibly important. We cannot fire sale the number two overall pick. Anything less than at least two first rounders, even if one of them is just a swap, but anything less than that should be considered a failure if we give up number two. I don't care if they throw in four second round picks. That's great, but we want two number ones. We want to swap and then we want another one. And if you want to give us more hell, we will absolutely take more. But anything less than two number one or two first round picks is nonsense. And we are not in the business of nonsense. We are trying as a franchise to avoid continually being in the business of nonsense. So we need to get a good haul if that does arise. But like I said, you have to have a team that is willing to move to go get to a Tungavailoa. And I do think it's interesting with the Carson Wentz, with the RG3, and now Tua in that situation, because one thing that all of those three guys have in common is that they all had their fair share of injuries in college that at least two teams had completely disregarded to go up and get those guys. Us being one of them, RG3 had a knee injury in college. We said, hey, we like him still. We're going to go get him. And for his first year, he was great until he basically tore his knee off his body. And then he wasn't great. And then Carson Wentz is in a very similar situation. He He's played really, really well for Philadelphia. Unfortunately, he plays too well against us, and he's gotten hurt. He hasn't consistently been available for them. So Tua is very similar to that, which might scare some teams away. Another thing to keep in mind when you get on the internet and say, we need to trade back, we need to trade back, we need to trade back. Well, some of these teams aren't going to give up that haul that we would require for a guy that does have that injury history. Now, with that said, the ceiling for Tua might be a little bit higher than those other two guys. I mean, that really just kind of depends on what you like at the quarterback position. But Tua is really good. And when Tua is healthy, he's going to be worth it. It's just the question of will he be healthy or will he not be healthy? So we need the we need the perfect scenario. And there's three teams um, that have the capability to trade multiple first-round picks this year. One of them is obvious. It's the Miami Dolphins. They have 5, 18, and 26. They want Tua. At least we think they want Tua. They tanked for Tua. They had the hashtag. It made it official. They want a quarterback. Now, whether that's Tua or Herbert, who really knows? I wouldn't take Herbert, so I'm going to assume that it's Tua. If they are the recipient, if they are our dance partner in this trade, we want all of those first-round picks this year. All of them. Don't pick either or, like 18 or 26. No, 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 no. If we are giving up Chase Young, and if we are truly filling some holes on our team, we want all of those first-round picks. We want five. We want eight. We 18. We want 26. All of them. If you just get two, I'm considering that a failure. This team, the Dolphins, were quite literally loading up for this scenario. They made all of those moves, trading away Minka Fitzpatrick, trading away Laramie Tunzel and Kenny Stills. 
They made all of those moves to have ammunition to move up for the draft. If they want their guy at two, make them earn it. We want all of those draft picks. That's one team. The next team is the uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. They are supposedly, according to multiple reports, they're still in the market for a quarterback. John Gruden, Derek Carr, not really the best of friends, not a huge surprise. They're in the market for a quarterback. They have the 12th and the 19th overall pick this season. If they really want Tua, hey, I'll take 12 and 19 and maybe another first round next year or maybe another second round next year. You can still get good guys at 12 or 19. Are they the perfect buyer? Hell no. Hell no. I mean, they're going to have to give up a lot more draft picks in general throughout the course. Like if Miami just wants to give us all of those, all of the draft picks this year and maybe a second next year, I, I'm, I'm okay with that one. But if we're getting 12 and 19 from Las Vegas this year, they need to be chipping in a lot more, whether it be more second-round picks, if they want to give us another first round the next year, whatever the case is, they have to provide more in terms of actual draft capital if they are going to be our dance partner for this tango that we're doing here. Because 12 and 19, you can still get good quality guys there, but you got to remember, we are passing up Chase Young. Every move that we make in terms of trading back has to be made with the fact in mind that we are passing up Chase Young, and it better damn well be worth it. So they are a possibility, but they're not a great possibility. I don't like working with Las Vegas in this particular point in time. Now, they're not the worst one because the worst one is Minnesota. They're just on here purely by technicality because they have two first-round picks this year. These are the only three teams with multiple first-round picks this year. Minnesota has 22 and 25. They are not gunning for the number two overall pick. They just signed our good old buddy Kirk Cousins to a $66 million fully guaranteed contract with the possibility of that becoming 96. They're not in the market for a quarterback. They just have two first-round picks on to the next one. And then Los Angeles is the other one. In terms of draft capital this year, they're at a major disadvantage because they only have one first-round pick this year. It's number six. It's right behind Miami. So that's a major disadvantage for them. Not only are they behind Miami, but they don't have anywhere near the draft capital the Dolphins have if they do want to go ahead and pull the trigger and move up. So if they're going to be working with us, that haul has to be huge. I mean, that's similar to what we gave up for Robert Griffin. We want your first-round pick this year. We want it next year. We want it the year after that and maybe another second round somewhere in there too. I mean, if you are jumping Miami and Miami has all those picks, if you're jumping Miami, you better make it worth it to us, buddy. So they are in the conversation, but they're kind of a, eh. What we need to do is talk to Miami and convince them that Los Angeles, if we are going to make this trade back decision, and convince them that Los Angeles has been heavy in our ear and they want to. Uh, yeah, they're committed to Tyrod Taylor. That's cool and all, but hey, those Chargers, they want to fill, they want butts and seats here. Justin Herbert's not going to put butts and seats. Tua Tungavailoa will put butts and seats when butts are government mandated, actually allowed to be in seats. You get you get the idea. But the Chargers want to put butts in seats. They want Tua Miami. You better give us everything this year, buddy. Give it all. We want five, we want 18, we want 26. You can kind of use these two teams to your advantage, which is not a position that the Redskins have uh, found themselves in very often. It's kind of new ground, but I kind of like that aspect of it. We can use multiple teams to kind of rival one another. We can play off of them, and ultimately, the end goal would be that we aren't the ones looking dumb in the process. Now, we have to make those draft picks count, that's for sure, but we won't be the ones looking dumb if we trade that number two pick for 5, 18, 
and 26 this year and probably uh, some other draft pick, whether it be a later round pick either this year or next year. That's a pretty good move if you want to go in terms of just filling all of the holes that we have because we do still have a degree of holes. Now that brings up the next question. If we do trade back, if we do decide to pull this trigger, what exactly are we looking for? Giving up number two is giving up Chase Young, but we do as a team have more holes that we need to fill. And I understand that. And we've talked a lot about, not a lot, but briefly on this podcast about two other guys defensively that I really like that I think this team could make a move for if we do decide to trade back. That's Isaiah Simmons and that's Jeff Okuda. But here's the issue. When it comes to this trading back, if those are the guys that we have in mind, if we're trading back with Miami, those guys aren't guaranteed. If Miami moves up, they're going to get Tua. We know that. They're getting to a Detroit would maybe get Chase Young. Maybe. I mean, I'm going to assume that they would. I think that would be uh, the best available option. And then it comes down to New York. So one of those two guys would be available for sure, Isaiah Simmons or Jeff Okuda. But we are at now at the mercy of what would New York do in this situation. All of the mock drafts so far have them picking Isaiah Simmons, at least all of the ones that I trust. Are they more enthralled with Jeff Okuda than they are Isaiah Simmons to the point where if both of those guys were on the board, they would take Okuda over Simmons? Quite frankly, I don't really know. I wish I had the answer to that question, but I don't know. You don't know. Maybe they don't even know at this point. But my biggest fear and the New York being there at four thing is really it sucks when when it comes to trading back because we would then have to be below them. And we're at the mercy not only of what they do, but I also really think that both Jeff Okuda and Isaiah Simmons are going to be really good. And one of those guys, regardless, I mean, regardless at this point, one of those guys is going to play for the New York Giants. And that makes me a little bit uncomfortable because I think Isaiah Simmons is going to be really good. And I think New York has their eyes set on him. So in the event that we would trade back and Detroit takes Chase Young at two, which would be the best case scenario because if Detroit takes Jeff Okuda at three and then New York takes Chase Young at five or at four, well, what the hell was this? That's the one way that this would be a, one of the worst trades in NFL history if we not only pass up on Chase Young, but essentially hand deliver him to our division rival who we have to play twice a year. I mean, Lord have mercy. That's terrible. That is the absolute worst case scenario we could possibly find ourselves in. And that is something that we absolutely need to avoid. Now, I don't think that would happen. I think Detroit with Matt Patricia would say, wait, you're giving us Chase Young at three and we didn't even have to do anything. Yep. Thank you. We're just going to take him and we're going to be good. That's how I think that one would play out. But that is something to keep in mind. If we do trade back, there is the possibility of things getting wonky and Chase Young ending up in the hands of the New York Giants, which is not something that anybody should want. Even if you want us to trade back, even if you're not the hugest Chase Young guy, you don't want New York to be the team that drafts Chase Young. The Giants, at least. Who cares the Jets? Don't don't give a damn about the Jets. But we don't want New York to be the team, the Giants, to draft Chase Young. Now, I do like Isaiah Simmons. I think he... uh, I think his versatility is something that Jack Del Rio could have a whole lot of fun with, but I also love Jeff Okuda. I think that's a dude that you could stick on one side of the field and say, hey, uh, just handle your business. 
That's what he did at Ohio State against some of those really good Clemson wide receivers in the first round of the college football playoff. He showcased his ability to do that then. He did it throughout the course of the season as well. There were some pretty good wide receivers in the Big Ten this year, and he handled all of them very, very well. So he is a guy that you would hope at one point in his NFL career you could just stick him on one side of the field or on one particular guy that he could shadow and say, hey, man, just stop him from touching the ball or just stop the ball from coming to this side of the field. Uh, So I do think that's really appealing about Jeff Okuda. I don't know if he would be able to do that as soon as he gets to the NFL. My guess would be no. But I do think in terms of ceiling as a cornerback, he is one of the guys that we have uh, that has the best ceiling we've seen in quite some time. He can play the run, too. He's not afraid to tackle. And because we do have a hole at the cornerback position, uh, we don't have a guy that we can all... Uh, sit back and say we absolutely know what that dude is at what position we have Kendall Fuller who's great but we don't know do we want him outside do we want him inside Ronald Darby on a nice contract he can be really good but is he a true number one corner on the outside not really sure so Jeff Okuda is a guy that we could flirt with if we do trade back and then Isaiah Simmons is a guy that you can put in so many different places I do think Jack Doria would be able to have a whole lot of fun with him you could line him up at the edge you could line him up at the middle linebacker spot you could line him up at a nickel spot at a dime spot at a safety spot you can do so many different things with him I think that might scare a few coaches Jack Del Rio however is not one of the coaches that I think that would scare so that is something that would be really appealing if he is the guy I know Clinton Portis has been very vocal about wanting Isaiah Simmons and I get it I just want Chase Young more so if those if we're if we are trading back with Miami to five we are getting one of those dudes and I like that. I don't know. I don't know if we trade back. Do we take a wide receiver at five? My gut says no. I like Jerry Judy, and he's going to likely be the first wide receiver off the board this year. I like Jerry Judy, but I don't know with the depth that the receiving class has this season. I don't know if it would be smart to trade out of two just to go get a wide receiver at five. At 18, maybe. At 26, sure. But at five, I don't know. I think there are bigger holes that we need to fill specifically on the defensive side of the football because I do think our culture, our mentality as we move forward into 2020 is going to be, the 2020 season, I should say, is going to be a defense first team. We have Ron Rivera, we have Jack Del Rio as two of our top coaches. We are going to be defense first. So I think we would go defense with five. Uh, I, as much as I like Jerry, Jerry Judy, I don't think going him at five would be the best decision in the world. I generally tend to fall very skeptical when it comes to drafting receivers high specifically in the top 10 I know it works sometimes but I generally am very skeptical about doing it high very similar spot with running backs it doesn't seem to always work it kind of worked with Ezekiel Elliott but maybe not as much uh, last year which is good which is good I mean I would love that to continue to fail but you get what I'm saying I don't know how I feel about drafting those skill position guys that high so I would I would lean away from drafting Judy at five if we do trade back. I'm just operating under the assumption, by the way, if this wasn't clear, that we are trading back for Miami's picks. They just have the best draft capital. They have the best ammo that they could throw in our direction and say, hey, this is what we got. Let's let's dance here. And then there are some other defensive guys. Uh, Kayvon Chason, or Kalevon Chason, excuse me, from LSU, 
he's a good defensive end, a guy that might be available later. Um, again, not a guy that you pass up Chase Young to go get unless you were just completely and utterly blown away by what you saw at him on tape and at the combine. But he's not Chase Young. He's not. Good player, good good guy at LSU, not Chase Young. You don't pass up on Chase Young to go get Chase on. You just don't. There are other great defensive players. I mean, Derek Brown is in this draft, but he's a guy that you look at and say, well, he has the potential to be really good, but where does he fit in on our defense? And the answer is he doesn't. We are pretty good when it comes to interior defensive linemen. We got three guys right now that can all play an interior spot in a 4-3, and they're basically going to be splitting time with one another. We got Ionitis, we got Deron Payne, we got John Allen. We're good when it comes to interior guys. We are looking to build the edge. We have Montez Sweat. Kerrigan's going to be back, but we don't know how much longer we're going to be holding on to him. We want to get younger. Chase Young would be the perfect guy to fit in right there. And like I said earlier in this in the show, I do think when we have Chase Young and what we have already on our defensive line, if everybody stays healthy, at least two guys are going to be above 10 sacks with another one flirting with it. I just think there's not enough people to block our guys because all of our guys can beat single teams some of our guys can be double teams and you can't double team everybody so that's that's the main reason because I am such a build through the front seven guy when it comes to defense that is my mentality uh if I were to be a general manager I that's why I want Chase Young the most now we could still get uh some offensive tackle help especially because at this point in time unless anyone is just overly optimistic that Trent Williams is somehow going to not want all of the money or want to come back here after the fiasco that nearly the last year and a half have been, uh, he's gone. We're going to need a left tackle. So maybe trading back with Miami, you might be able to get somebody at 18. Or I mean, hell, if we do trade back with Miami, we can continue moving some of those picks around to get a little bit deeper. I just don't have the time to get into all of that. And Lord knows I'm not going to attempt to predict what the trade market is going to be on draft day. This draft day itself is already going to be unprecedented. I don't even want to try and predict uh, to what I think is actually going to happen between teams and deals and things of that nature. Um, but we do need another left tackle. We need somebody that can fill in. There's a couple good guys. Uh, I like the guy, Andrew Thomas, out of Georgia. Uh, I think he could be really good. There's a couple other guys in this year's uh, tackle class that could be available at 18, a guy that you can plug in right away. So that could be something that's appealing if we do trade back. Uh, but those are just my brief thoughts on trading back, how it would actually look, uh, what the process would somewhat need to be to make this all happen. But at the end of the day, when push comes to shove, I still want Chase Young. That is not changing. It will not change tomorrow. It will not change the next day. It will not change any time before draft day. I want Chase Young. I think he is going to be one of the best players, if not the absolute best player out of this draft. I don't think we will have many opportunities to draft a guy like him. Let's not mess it up here. Just take Chase Young. It's the obvious pick, and sometimes obvious isn't always bad. We like to play that sometimes. Like, hey, this is too obvious. We want to do something else. No, 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 no. He's good. He's worth it. Let's do it. It should be that simple. All right. Finally, quickly wrapping this thing up here. Um, it is Sean Taylor's birthday. And Sean Taylor, uh, to me, like I'm sure most of you, was one of my favorite players to watch growing up. Um, I'm I'm 24 going on 25. So he was quite literally the guy that I watched growing up. So I do have two quick stories uh, that I want to share about Sean Taylor. 
uh, because I know everyone has some form of Sean Taylor memory that they have and hold near and dear to their heart. Uh, the first one was the field goal block. That was my first ever Redskins game. Uh, my dad and I went. I had the option that year to pick between a game against the Eagles or a game against the Cowboys. And, of course, because I kind of know the rivalries, uh, the Cowboys one was more appealing. I almost didn't go. I almost picked the Eagles game, which was later in the year, because I was a huge fan of Santana Moss. He was my favorite player. It was him. It was Sean Taylor. It was Clinton Portis. The Miami trio, those are my favorite players. And Santana Moss wasn't going to play that year um, against Dallas. He had a hamstring issue. But it was more likely he was going to play against Philadelphia. So I was kind of weighing my options. But at the end of the day, uh, I think the inner fan of me took over and said, hey, no, this is Dallas. We're going to the Dallas game. So my dad and I go to this Dallas game, and we are on the side of the field uh, that that dumb idiot kicker, in the words of Peyton Manning, our stupid idiot kicker, I should say, is kicking in the direction of. So I'm thinking, oh, great, like we're about to lose this game against Dallas. There's like Dallas fans here because there's way too many of them uh, in our stadium just on a general basis. Uh, But especially uh, on Dallas week, there's Dallas fans here. And this dude is kicking into us. And then I see the block. And then I see Sean Taylor pick it up. And then I see his face mask get grabbed. And ultimately, Nick Novak ends up winning the game on the opposite side of the field. Uh, It was one of those things that I will always remember. I see the highlight uh, frequently which I, I love. That's not a bad thing by any stretch of the imagination. I see the highlight frequently, and I always remembered where I was, my reaction. It was my first real NFL football game. So I'm high-fiving everybody. Uh, most of the people are drunk. I was 10, so I wasn't. Or I was like 11 at that point, maybe. So I obviously wasn't because that is wildly irresponsible and wildly illegal. But I'm high-fiving all these drunk dudes, and it was one of the greatest memories um, that I've had at an NFL football game. So the fact that it was with Sean Taylor is something that I've always cherished. And then the other time was actually earlier in that year. It was the first time I'd ever been to training camp. And if you went to the the Redskins training camp when it was in Ashburn, you kind of know how they had that thing set up. They had the nice little pathway to walk. Uh, it was roped off. And then behind the ropes, they had like tents and stuff over there with people with real money could go and buy passes over there. Media was over there. But the guys would be chilling over there. Like after practice, they would sign some autographs and then they would just go behind these ropes and be chilling. They had like a cold tub out there. So guys are in the cold tub getting iced up, stretching, doing whatever, just hanging out, having a good time. And I'm there with one of my buddies and my, my mom had drove us. So there's about, we had like our squad was probably like five or six deep. Um, but my buddy and I were just standing over there and we, again, Santana Moss, our favorite player, we're looking for Santana Moss and we're like, all right, let's, let's see if we can find him. And ultimately I kind of looked at my mom and I was like, she just gave me the nod and I didn't ask what that meant. I just knew what it meant. So my buddy and I, we duck under these ropes and we go and we go to find Santana Moss and we're like, all right, we got to do this quickly. We don't have any of these passes on. Let's just go find Santana Moss. Ultimately we did not find Santana Moss. But we found Jason Campbell. Jason Campbell signed some stuff for us. and was like, oh, sweet. That's awesome. And then we run into Sean Taylor. But as we run into Sean Taylor, a security guard comes up. And he's like, all right, guys, like, where are your badges? You guys got to get out of here. And before he kicked us out, Sean Taylor was nice enough. And he didn't have to do this. But he was nice enough to say, hold up, hold up, hold up. Let me at least sign something for him. So he signed one of my friends' football. And because I was one of the dumbest 10-year-olds that you will ever come across, I had him sign a piece of paper because I didn't have any memorabilia, which is by far one of the worst decisions I have ever made. So I have Sean Taylor's autograph on some piece of paper that I have no idea where it is. I, it, I may not even have it anymore. It was easily one of the worst sporting decisions I've ever made throughout the course of my life. But it was cool that Sean Taylor stopped us from getting kicked out just for 30 seconds to shake our hand, sign what we wanted him to sign, shake our hand again, 
and then proceed to let us get kicked out. It was one of the best memories that I had uh, of Sean Taylor and that, that real interaction. Does he ever, did he remember my name? Hell no. I mean, my name is weird, so there, there's like a small chance, but hell no, he didn't remember my name. And that's cool. He didn't need to remember my name. The, the fact that he did that, though, was really cool. So that's the best way that I can think of to, to celebrate and honor Sean Taylor on his birthday. If you have any Sean Taylor stories, please let me know about them on Twitter at Denton underscore day. I'd, I just love Sean Taylor stories in general. And let me know what you thought of any of the topics we covered on this week's edition of the podcast. Trading back, who you want if we do trade back, what holes you think we need to fill, all of that. Let me know at Denton underscore day on Twitter or down below in the comment section on hogshaven.com. And with that, we close out this episode. Appreciate you listening. I'll see you guys next week.